0: Hello and welcome to the Eye on the U podcast, Miami Herald's Miami Hurricanes podcast. I'm David Wilson and I am joined, as always, on the other line by Susan Miller-Degman, our Hurricanes beat writer here at the Herald. Susan, how's it going?
1: I'm back to, it's going great. (laughs) Really well. How are you?
0: Doing pretty good. Uh, Taking the weekend off, so uh, it'll be uh, good to get a little break here, but had to get a podcast in with you. Uh, before we finish, because it's actually a uh, one of the more exciting weeks, I think, in a, in a little while on the U.N. UM, uh, beat, um, mm-hmm. you, obviously, Pro Day on Monday was, it was a pretty fun day, um, getting to talk to those guys um, and getting to see them work out. Obviously, some highlights in the workout, um, some good interviews, too, I'm sure we'll talk about. Uh, Brevin Jordan was really fired up. Um Obviously, the scrimmage over the weekend, which we didn't get to see, but uh, still kind of a lot to talk to talk about um, from that. Uh, but we had to start with some sad news. Um, the passing of Howard Schnellenberger over the weekend. We're going to uh, attack on at the end here uh, a little interview Susan did um, on WLRN Sundial show uh, with Luis Hernandez at airs. Monday through Thursday at 1 p.m. Uh, this aired I, on Tuesday. So um, we'll put that at the end, uh, kind of Susan giving her, her, her thoughts about uh, Schoenberg's legacy and, and his death. and um, But we got to talk about it at the top. Susan, you know, it wasn't necessarily a surprise. We knew he had been in kind of declining health um, lately. But you never covered him, but obviously you've, you've been on this beat as long as basically anyone who's, who's still covering the team. Um, you could probably sum it up as well as anyone. What, what did he mean uh, to this program and really to college football? I think you really saw it just with the outpouring from all corners of the college football universe um, that obviously he, he meant a lot beyond just down here in South Florida.
1: He did. He meant everything. He was a classic and a classy guy. Um super honest and frank and funny as heck um with a beautiful baritone bass voice that i just loved listening to um and i did know him very well i mean i mm-hmm. talked a lot either on the phone or in person I, you know I've
0: yeah he remained a uh, south florida staple obviously with fau stuff long after he was left miami
1: absolutely and he wanted to be in the the, the, he he loved being in the limelight I don't blame him I mean everything he said was golden he was (laughs) uh he was he was I I think I told WLRN he was a psychologist he was so smart and eloquent beautifully spoken and from the heart um and just a good person who you know he got excited (laughs) to whomever he was talking to he got excited uh you know show you around his office and you know this was a this and that from bear Bryant when he coached at alabama to bear, you know assistant to bear Bryant uh, and and uh you know joe Namath and the dolphins and he just had such an impact on on south florida on florida on college football but not no more than than he did nothing more than he did at university of miami um and um just uh, yeah i'm you know, even though, you know, somebody's getting super old and declining, uh, you still are very sad and surprised always when they die. And um, yeah, you know, he loved his wife so much and he was always talking about her and just, he was so devoted to his kids and, um, and would let you know it. He always let you know what he felt, whether he was, you know, against something or for something. He wasn't embarrassed. Um, He was just, I don't know. He had a way with words and just a good soul. Um mm-hmm. and one thing I did want to mention to you was and I didn't did not discuss this. I didn't have much time on LRN is um he deserves to be in the college football Hall of Fame. Yeah. And you know, he's the ho- college football Hall of Fame has a 600 winning percentage um stipulation I guess and he's his you know, college uh, record is 158 151 and three but there's there's like there are few people who had an impact the way Chanel Berger did yeah. on college football like think about it almost every program he went to I mean he did amazing things he gets the first national title for Miami um which was a really big deal
0: yes
1: he recruited all those major players and convinced them to stay in south florida right, he only gets
0: one ring there but you know the next oh two that God. come were were his guys oh, the Foundation uh, he built, obviously
1: yeah amazing you know he created the quote unquote state of state of miami,
2: miami
1: yep. was a, you know which encompassed uh miami-dade broward and palm beach state he put a fence around the state of miami um he then he he goes to um, he goes to florida uh you know he go well
0: Louisville first right
1: yeah no uh yes yes Louisville he kind of you know resurrected that program um he goes to uh well he was with the Dolphins as the offensive coordinator but he goes to uh FAU Florida Atlantic University in Boca Raton I mean the guy builds a stadium he he it's amazing David he builds he he
0: did everything but like go to the construction site to like put it together oh my god and (laughs) he was
1: so exactly and he was so proud of it he always said that oh it's a stadium that overlooks the Atlantic Ocean the only one in America but it's true you know we covered were you there with me no I've actually
0: never been to a game at that stadium
1: oh my god it's great it's like a metal but it's really nice it's really super nice and festive and it was pre-covid you know the game they had a lot of um you know fans that were excited about it and they had cool stuff going on around the stadium little events and it's just it's amazing he had a stadium built at fau and when they started they were division one double a and i think they made it to the semifinal of the playoffs Mm -hmm. Um, think about that right I mean, it's amazing with him in charge of the program, and he had some great quarterbacks. He had kids that got drafted. He won every bowl game he was ever in. Um, I don't know. There's just – I can't think of it all, but – There's a lot, yeah. There's a lot, and he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, and it's it's dumb that he's not. It really is dumb. It is.
0: Yeah, and especially because there is that – the. Um win percentage rule that you mentioned, but they've like broken that rule a couple of times. Like there's a press yes, break it for really influential guys. And and when you think about um, what he means, as we said, not just to to Miami football, which is, you know, a top five program historically, I think inarguably, but also to college football in the way that the, everything runs through South Florida and college football in a lot of ways. And he's, you know, really, really instrumental to that. Yeah, I I feel like I've learned a lot about him over the last year because also after uh, Shula died about, I guess, a little less than a year, probably 10, 11 months ago now, um, that was kind of part of the story was Shula's role indirectly, directly in in turning Miami football into a powerhouse because, as you mentioned, Shanellenberger was his offensive coordinator um, with the Dolphins and ends up going to Miami um, straight from there. And obviously – the Dolphins were, uh, you know, kind of a becoming a powerhouse, and he brought that same kind of uh, growth of a of a program out of nowhere to Miami. And and I, I'm I'm kind of fast, you know, I'm being from DC, which is such like a basketball hotbed. I'm fascinated by the ways that these parts of the country become sports hotbeds. Um, right. And obviously, Miami, South Florida, is like that's the number one football hotbed and. You know, I, I think there's a lot of reasons why, you know, you go back to like, you know, even pre-segregation, Traz Powell and stuff like that. But like a lot of it traces back to the 70s and the 80s and and Shula and Schnellenberger turning this. You know, I remember I think I talked to um, George Smith after Shula died and he talked about the way that he turned George Smith, who's the athletic director at St. Thomas Aquinas, won a bunch of state championships as the football coach there. Um, And he talked about the way Shula turned it from Miami from like this beach town into like a football town. And, and I think you could probably say a lot of the same about Schnellenberger and the way that he, you know, Miami as uh, I'd recommend everyone check out Barry Jackson's obit, which was very good. Um, It talks about the way that the program was kind of on the brink of like folding. And he again took this town that really probably didn't care that much about the hurricanes probably, a lot of the town didn't care about football and made it a football, helped make it a football crazed uh, town. And obviously mm-hmm. that if if you trace the growth of football in South Florida, at least part of it back to, to him, then, you know, that's a huge reason that college football is what it is today. When you look at, you know, how many players on all these national championship teams come from the state of Miami, as he coined it. Um, you know, even if they're not all staying in Miami, it means so much for all of college football. Um, one other thing I did not realize is that, you know, I know, he, I knew I always knew he had the signature pipe. I never made the connection, but that's why the old Sebastian logo had a pipe.
1: Oh, gotcha. Yeah. I had
0: gotcha. never made that connection before. Yeah.
1: That's very cool. Although that, yeah, that's the old Sebastian. Right. Right.
0: Now there's gotta, no
1: tobacco, no, no more tobacco.
0: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, they they got to bring it back. They got to do something this year with, um, like this upcoming season. Yeah, you because know, I'm sure they'll wear like a Schnellenberger patch or whatever or something. Oh, yeah, they
1: they've got to do yeah. something.
0: like they they've got to do something. They got to bring back that logo for like something for like even if it's just like on their warm ups or like the warm up shirts they wear. Like I know I know they don't want to do it with the tobacco thing and you know the cancer research, research university all that kind of stuff, but, <laughs> but I don't know. They need,
1: they they need, they need to. Me. They made, they made Sebastian, you know, before they made, they turned him into a happy Sebastian and yeah. they turned him mean again.
0: Yeah. So yeah, bring, bring back the pipe for this year, even if it's uh, just like for a one game throwback kind of deal. Um, I agree. You and you know back.
1: what, David, I like, I'm going to play some of my interviews just for me. So I can kind of reminisce of Howard. I, I plan to do that. Just I'm sitting, I'll be sitting in my room
0: alone and, <laughs> and be wistful. So, Um, yep. Also, um, I know the field at FAU Stadium is named after him. I feel like that stadium should just be named after him. I know we're not an FAU podcast, but...
1: Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I bet they do. Uh Oh, you know, Louisville also, it's... Because I've been there a couple of times.
0: Is it Schnellenberger Field? Or stuff there is named after him? Yeah, I think it might be something. I mean, I'm not... his name's on
1: something, either the like either the Howard Schnellenberger um training room or a clubhouse, or I don't know what it is, or yeah, something. The
0: Howard Schnellenberger football complex.
1: Oh, is that what? Yeah, yeah I know just just in the stands, I could see his name big, so
0: yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he means a lot to you know Louisville, like, like you mentioned, with you know, FAU now is you know a decent you know decent program obviously out of nothing and still a young Um, but Louisville at the same time you know they you know does Lamar Jackson go to Louisville if Howard Schnellenberger doesn't start to resurrect him you know they probably get resurrected eventually but you know he's that's his rep is he's like the program resurrector um and exactly
1: exactly exactly so that's why when the record
0: is not as good as, yeah, right.
1: Because look what he did, you know. But I know, like, at, at Oklahoma, he went to Oklahoma and he didn't do well, right? He said they didn't want him there, and he realized he made a mistake that he tried to do the same thing there that he did in Miami. The difference was he knew my, you know, he knew about Miami, okay? He didn't, Oklahoma was a whole different culture, and he yeah. realized that. So,
0: also, it's pretty cool that he recruited Joe Namath. Yes. That's a good thing to throw on your resume.
1: Definitely. A lot of, he recruited a lot of good people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But Jonah, name with me, like, you know, you, you could tell people who don't even know college football, like, and if like, you know, Jets fans are not college football people or New Yorkers are not college football people. If you tell them that Howard Schnellenberger recruited Joe Namath to go play at Alabama, like discovered Joe Namath or whatever. Like that's right? pretty, that's a good thing to, you know, Joe Namath is one of the most fo- famous football players of all time. Like that's a, that's a big deal. Good thing to put on the resume. Of course. Of all course. right. Um, let's um, let's do pro day first. Um, let's do, but
1: I have to, I have to, I have to interrupt this for a, for an announcement and that's uh, I'm just reading the stories now. And I can't believe this. Uh, where is this? The Florida Kyle Pitts, yes, tight well, end that could be. I don't know, Phil. Last could be the Dolphins' first pick, right? He, uh, yeah. Now this is unofficial, and you and I both know because we're going to talk about the UN program, <laughs> Yeah, that unofficial is really unofficial, and yes. that they don't. That the forty times each nfl team does their own 40 time i don't i figured you knew that but i'm not sure if listeners know that so they all have their own maybe a little different but i'm looking at nfl.com and he turned in an unofficial yeah 40-yard dash of 4.44 seconds 4.4 yeah that's absurd and and his other one was 4.46 and we are going to talk about Jalen Phil, and of course that's a tight end Jalen Phillips, who's a defensive end for UM, did a 4-5-6 uh, uh, um, best. This guy did a four four four, And then the other one I want to mention that I just read and on NFL.com is um, Jamar Chase.
0: Yep.
1: Another receiver.
0: potential Dolphins pick.
1: Yep. another. He just ran, um, and I'm going to say unofficial, okay, a 4.38. 40 that's all i just wanted to yeah. <laughs> just wanted to throw that out there
0: anyway uh so a lot of people tweeting about dvd has like the the all-time right he's like four three two or something or oh, he was crazy really fast. fast
1: yeah it was really fun. Yeah. that's how he that's honestly that's they wanted that speed
0: four two eight that's what he, he ran at the combine
1: yeah, fourth fastest
0: time ever well fifth fastest now it was fourth fastest at the time um right but yeah pro day was Pretty fun. We talked about it. Um, obviously we previewed it a little bit last week and um I, I we talked about how excited we were to see the running and I, I think that did not let down da- let down. Um that was pretty much all those guys and and obviously the story of the day as you wrote about was was Jalen Phillips. But, again, I think all Although the guys – Oh, there
1: were other stories of the day, too. That's the thing. Yes, everybody was calling Jalen Phillips a freak and all that, and I understand that. But let me tell you, the UM kids did quite well. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. uh, I know we'll talk about it, but he, he did fantastically. So I'll yeah. say the,
0: those three, four, five minutes, however long it was, that we thought Jalen Phillips ran a 4 4 six, were electric. <laughs> exactly. Like the broadcast is going crazy. Yeah. Um, I mean, social media was obviously going crazy. And four, five, six was the official time there. And, and that's um, still really good. Still um, really good for a guy that's still,
1: 260 pounds.
0: Yeah. Still enough. I, t- we're in my opinion, I think he is the top defensive end in this draft. It's obviously, it's an interesting defensive end draft. Um, yeah. There's not, it's not, you know, usually that's a position that's super deep. This year is not as deep. Obviously, you've got, Greg, who we'll talk about. Greg Rousseau, who um, didn't play last year. Um, and then, you know, Jalen. when you look at the guys who were kind of in that top mix, it's um, Greg Rousseau, Jalen Phillips, Quiddy Pay, and I'm blanking on the Georgia defensive end's name. Um, try to find it. Um, a defensive end from Georgia. I, I can't find his name right now. But that's kind of the, the clear top four. Um, Jalen was by far the, kind of the most productive of that group last year. You know, Greg obviously had the 15 sack season, but that was two years ago at this point. But, um, I don't know, Jalen to me, he was the number one recruit in the country coming out of high school for a reason. He showed all of that off on, um, on Monday and then obviously had the, the track record this season. And I don't know, he was the. He lived up to, I think he exceeded the hype, honestly, at Miami. And I, I think he kept doing it basically um, all the way through his last workout ever at Green Tree Field. Like he is. Uh, yeah, he did. I mean, I don't know if he's going to go top 10 or whatever, but to me he kind of solidified himself not only as a first-round pick, but I, I think he firmly should be in that mix to be the first defensive end uh, picked. You know, again, I don't know yeah. enough about all these guys. Like I can't even remember the Georgia guy's name, obviously, but yeah. Um, uh, I have a hard time imagining there's a better combination of production and like tools in this draft at that spot than Jalen Phillips.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I still think it's going to be interesting ever. I mean, I agree with you. I have a feeling he's going to go in front of um, Greg Rousseau, who mm-hmm. won't play basically one year college football and then another two yeah. games before he broke his ankle. But, um, yeah, I I still, and Jalen Phillips, eight sacks, I think he he was great. I mean, he, he, he is a physical freak, uh, and he was interested, you know, he's had a lot of, here's what it comes, he has had, um, some physical, um, ailments, but like he was really eloquent also in saying, look, it's football, Yeah. that's injured. I mean, it's everybody gets injured, and I'm fine now. My wrist—we had intricate, maybe really smashed his wrist in a, in, a, in a scooter in a car accident. Scooter slash car accident. He was on a scooter, um, and he had concussions and stuff. But he said my wrist is fine. Did you see me today? And he was right. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, you know, it's what I've done. Now look at me. I'm fine. I'm f- better than fine, actually. Um, so. The other thing is, I just keep thinking of 15 and a half sacks. <laughs> yeah. I can't help it. I keep thinking 15 yeah. sacks. So the
0: second most in the country behind Chase Young, who's like already one of the five best defensive ends in the yeah, NFL. So I,
1: and I, and I, Jalen Phillips is awesome. He's super smart, really smart. Again, really. Yeah, I thought he
0: was great. And you know, I, I touched on it at the top, but some really good interviews we had with all these guys on Monday. And he was like, I mean, I think Brevin like stole the show, as he often does. But yeah. um, but just in terms of like Jalen talking about his his path and the idea yeah. of like you know retiring and like he's falling mature. out in love with football, falling back in love with football, all that very
1: honest, mature, yes. has perspective. He, yes. you can tell he's older. Greg Rousseau, love him. I, I mean, he's just such a nice kid. Just <laughs> and he means it. You know when he says he's blessed. And he's so happy to be back with his, with his guys, you know, from UM, it's all from the heart. Um, and he's big. He's a big long spider, you know, he's a big, yeah. he's, and I think I, I'm so excited to be able to see him play actually, I guess, cause he hasn't played, played this year. And I really, he was one of my favorites, such a nice guy. Yeah. Um, so I'm, uh, I do think, I mean, I, I don't think you're taking a risk draft, drafting him, but I think you're maybe you're taking a risk drafting him really high, if that makes sense at all. I, I, that's all. I mean, and Jalen, I, I mean, you, I, to me, you can't go wrong. I think either of them are going to be good, but I understand teams worrying about drafting Greg Rousseau super high because again, he doesn't have a big body of work, you know. Yeah play this past season but I I still think come on 15 have sacks I can't be
0: can't be lucky can it Uh, no I mean I I guess the the criticism is like he doesn't have moves like he didn't have moves but Uh he has those things you can't teach which is that size and the motor like that is that's how he got his sacks it's just he is bigger than you he is faster than you and he's going to try a lot harder than you uh, to get to the quarterback than you are to protect the quarterback. And, I mean, that's a pretty good – like, that's a good starting point. Like, he's – like you're saying, like, no coach is going to be frustrated to have him. When you think of the, the guys who come in as, like, physical freaks like that, the way – and he is a freak in a way that not even, like, Jalen Phillips is a freak just because, you know, he's yeah. six seven And is, like – when you say he's, like – when you, you talk about how he says he's blessed, like, it's almost like you can't even believe, like, this is all happening because – Again, three years ago he was this skinny two hundred pound uh safety and now he's gonna be a first round pick as a two hundred sixty pound defensive end.
1: listen <laughs> to this two sixty-six, he has an eighty three and a quarter inch wingspan. Yeah,
0: 80, like just absurd. And the way that those guys 11, fail, yeah, with those physical tools is and you see it a lot in, in basketball is like the center who just is playing basketball because he's tall. Like, does he right. really love basketball? That's not a question with Greg at all. Like he's going to work hard. Um, he's like, understands, So like he's kind of blessed with these tools to be this great player. I mean, he could have, you know, a lot of kids who were a wide receiver all throughout and he was like an all state wide receiver as a junior at, at Champagnat. Like he could have been like, I want to go play wide receiver somewhere, but he was like, you know obviously Mark Richt told him and Manny Diaz told him you're going to be like a first round pick potentially as a a defensive end if you commit yourself to it um like they have got that motor and that the personality the the coachability clearly you know you think of how much he has bulked up like it's hard to imagine him failing like is he ever going to like be the complete package is like in terms of moves and all that kind of stuff as, as Jalen phillips is maybe not but like mm-hmm. he's gonna ha- like he's got those things you can't teach and um i don't think there's really any real red flags with him. the only red flag is the lack of production lack me- of uh not, not even like oh. of production the lack of just the sheer lack of reps there's like he's, he's gonna nail all of his interviews he's nailing the combine stuff he nails that the the production level i guess you know he doesn't nail the uh necessarily like the versatility or the, the moves like the you know just technical stuff to the same degree but um there's not red flags there everything that he doesn't do well is teachable and there's no reason to think he's not going to be willing to learn
1: well i i th- yeah i um you were talking about moves right uh-huh. maybe he doesn't have the moves or whatever whoever uh, uh quincy roche has the moves yeah. OK. And he was fabulous. And I love his personality. And I have since the start, totally stand up, classy guy, um, mature as can be so polite. Right. And truly mm-hmm. A nice guy. Truly. Yeah. I mean, so, I, you know, they're all nice guys. But I mean, I, I just love Quincy Roche. Um, and he just kind of understated and yeah. under. I believe appreciated.
0: I think it's it I- overshadowed by a guy like Greg Rousseau, who, as you mentioned as an 80, whatever wingspan and Jalen Phillips, who was the former number one recruit in the country. Like it's naturally oh, going to get overlooked a little bit.
1: We talked about that. He, he measured just over 6'2 to 243 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, he led, he led the U.M. Players at the combo at U.M. Pro day with 23 reps on the bench press, which is a uh,
0: 225
1: pounds. He led all players. He ran the 40 in 4.62, which really is good. Uh, really very, good for a guy good. his size. Uh, he he led everybody with oh no, he didn't lead actually, I'm sorry, with the vertical jump, but he had a 32 and a half vertical jump and he had a no 9.11 broad jump. He did really, really well. And I, I, I've been looking at some of his film. If you look at some of it, I mean he's this guy, talk about moves. Yeah. I mean really he,
0: polished. He,
1: he motors inside, outside, whatever of the defender of the, excuse me, of the offensive lineman. I mean, he's um, he's really good. He gets to the quarterback, uh, and I know maybe he didn't have as productive a year this year. I I think he's going to be a um, if he stays healthy, a consistent NFL
0: player who plays for yeah. a while. I, I thought it was interesting that he was like pretty upfront. Like, I think I'm a three-four outside linebacker. Um, right. Which I, we talked about last week, just his size. Like, you know, you don't see a lot of hand in the dirt defensive ends who are six-two. Like, you know, those guys right. are six-four, six-five.
1: Exactly.
0: Um, so he knows. I mean, and I mentioned it last week. He had that interception against Clemson that got called back. So we know he can drop into coverage a little bit. Um, he needed to show the speed there. He needed to show like the the shuttle type like. Quick change of direction stuff, Mm -hmm. and he did all of that um, at the combine. To me, like, I don't know if he'll go in the second round. Again, it's a weird draft because it's not a whole lot of edge guys right Right. super highly on the on draft boards. But um, yeah, I mean, to me, he's like clear second day pick at this point. Uh,
1: Yeah, Uh, I'd be shocked if he if he if well, I I am actually. You yeah,
0: am never shocked with anything. But Shocks
1: yeah. me in the draft, but I—I'd be surprised if he—if he went past the thir- third round, right? Yeah,
0: I, yeah. I think he showed that you know he's got, like you said, he's just going to be good in the NFL. Like he's going to be solid. Yeah.
1: good in every way. Just a hard worker, good guy. He's never going to get in trouble. I don't think. I don't think. I'll uh, take it back to, I—who I, I, knows? But yeah, you never know. But I'm—I'm I'm thumbs all thumbs, all, both thumbs up
0: on on uh, Roche. Um, last one. I mean, I guess Jose Borgalis kicked also. We didn't really. Yeah. And he him. did great. I think,
1: yeah. I, I, I think I mean, he's did.
0: kicker one, like he's a kicker. He's going to get picked whenever a kicker, whenever a team decides they want to take a kicker. Right. Like,
1: yeah. And I, it, he, and I love it. He was honest. To, I love talking to him too. And he said that he told us that he, what he was working on most was his kickoffs Yep. and that he did really well in his kickoffs. He said, "My kickoffs have gotten a lot better," and um, um, and I, apparently, uh, we, we didn't watch, he did well. He was hitting field goals also. So, mm-hmm. um, and everybody see, saw what he's done on national TV and whatever. 57 yeah. seven-yard field goal—he's good, really good. So, I think—I mean, I depending—I i, I I'm always think kickers are more important than it seems anybody else thinks. Yeah. I. I I just think they're so important. Oh, yeah, I mean,
0: God. he's going to get drafted probably somewhere early on the third day, it sounds like. But you never know with kickers. Um, it's just right. who thinks they need one. You know, if if 2018 right. feel good about their kickers, then not going to get drafted as high. Um, right. The last guy, uh, Brevin Jordan, I think kind of solidified himself as either the number two or number three tight end, um, second round pick type of guy. Um, or
1: some people think it's funny. <laughs> Some I I read some things that said you know he hurt himself, uh, with his time or whatever with his times. But I, I mean, Brevin Jordan, I said this before, he just needs to be on the field.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think he like he he just couldn't kill himself at this time. Like maybe he could have taken a jump if he ran like a four or five or something. But I think he's basically just you know he's been in that second round range the whole time and yeah, he ran be, well enough to stick true. there.
1: Yeah, it could he could be uh, Again, I I think he's either uh, yeah I think he should be second round that's my opinion but he could be third round too so who knows I don't <laughs> know these guys make their decisions really so but he was very um, he ran a, a four six. Who I think was his fastest?
0: 462, 464,
1: 464, yeah. four, I think. Yeah. And um, you know, and he was he, I think he was disappointed. He said he was disappointed in his yeah. shut of the vertical. He was disappointed. He did a 34. He expected to get a 38. But I love his attitude. And the guy's a great athlete. He's a great athlete. That's it. Yeah. I, you know, so. I mean, come on, he's the second-leaning receiver behind a really, really talented Mike Harley, who is an actual receiver. Right. <laughs> okay, and, uh, you know, I, I think Reverend Jordan's going to be good in the NFL. That's what I think. And he he went on and on and on about calling people stupid who think he's – uh, he's um, – that he's a risk because he's injury prone or whatever. He was really upset. He was very honest. He said, man, it, this is a tough game, just like Jalen, but he was a little more blunt. Uh, Brevin was a little more yeah. blunt. He said, you know, you play with this shoulder injury, you play with that. People don't realize, you know, the injuries I've had, they don't really realize, which mm-hmm. they don't tell you.
0: Yeah. So, um uh, Before Before we pivot over to scrimmage talk, what do you think about uh, Mark Rick's going to talk about all these guys he recruited? It was pretty fun, I thought.
1: Yeah. Always, always fun. <laughs> and you can tell Mark is so, so proud of his anybody yeah. he coached. He'll, he'll never say a bad word. That's all I noticed. He'll never say about anybody, which I love. He just, he just wants the best for everybody.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let's wrap up with some scrimmage talk before we uh, pivot over uh, and throw to your uh, interview with WLRN. Um Xavier Rastrepo, kind of the breakout star. It sounds like you wrote about him on, um, Tuesday. Um, uh uh-huh. well, what, what's, what's kind of the, what's, what's the buzz about him coming out of that scrimmage?
1: Well, uh, the buzz is, and it's interesting cause he, he had, he also had a fantastic scrimmage last year. The he first, did. Yeah. Right. But, um, he, he had nine catches for 144 yards and two touchdowns. Okay. <laughs> Can't do much better than that. And, uh, you know in your first spring scrimmage uh i've I've heard a couple coaches talk about him and saying the guy is just so competitive and and such a tough uh little player i don't know Mm -hmm. little i'm not sure he's but i think he's listed as five ten and 196 yeah he's
2: he's a little
0: little by football standards he's a little
1: shorter than that and i i can't believe he weighs 196 but maybe he does and um um, and, and, and Gervin Hall, safety Gervin Hall said, um, said yesterday, I believe that, that Restrepo said, gave him problems in past concepts. He, he said, he really opened his eyes this spring. Um, he's, um, he scored on a 70 yard oh reverse. That was last year in the 70 yard reverse. He's mm-hmm. just explosive plays. Um, he didn't, play uh you know last year i think he only had one catch which yeah, he did is
0: not play a whole lot
1: yeah he had one catch for 12 yards last year you know and i, I think you'd hoped that we're going to see him more this season they do have a lot of receivers but um he i think i think for me though the the holy wow <laughs> thing was yeah i wasn't as shocked about xavier as i was pleasantly surprised for UM's sake about Jake Garcia the freshman uh, you know the new freshman quarterback and um, Tyler Van Dyke the second year freshman because Jake Garcia completed 78.9 78.9 percent of his passes and he didn't just throw a few passes he was 15 of 19 that's pretty good for 188 yeah. yards and touchdown now Tyler Van Dyke uh second year freshman or i guess you could say redshirt freshman redshirt
0: freshman 10 yeah 10
1: of 15 10 to 15 which is 66.6 percent. also great for 114 yards and a touchdown now there were two picks we don't know you I will never say who threw the picks you know was it jake was it yeah. was it peyton matoka who's also in there but he's he's not going to win the job and or was it um or win the backup job, I should say, or was it um, Ryan Risk? Right, a walk-on. I mean, they all played, so we don't know who threw the picks. You know, we 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 didn't we don't know the, how short the little passes were and how much of it. You know, remember they don't get tackled. We said that last week. You know, so
0: right,
1: they're a little more uh, confident in throwing. They're not as nervous um, and. Yeah, but, I mean, it's pretty good. Those are pretty amazing stats. So, to me, that was the most heartening thing for for UM's sake as Derek King rehabs from his torn ACL.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would, we were talking about this right before we started recording, that it's it's important that these guys play well just because we don't know what Derek's going to – you know, I think everyone's, op, everyone's saying the right things. Everyone's saying they're optimistic about what Derek yeah. is uh, – gonna be ready for Alabama all that stuff but it's the reason we keep talking about quarterbacks because this team has a chance to be really really good um Mm -hmm. obviously with De'Ara King but if he's not 100% or re-injures his knee or hurts gets hurt some other way because of the knee is not quite 100% um they need these guys to be good and that's still just like the number one that's the most important thing that's going to come out of this spring is finding that next quarterback um, to sure. be behind Derek. I think that and, and the wide receivers um, and the defensive ends, it's a reason we, those are kind of the three things we keep talking about. Um, sure. We didn't really he- learn a whole lot about the defense. It doesn't sound like from the scrimmage, but um, from the offense, oh. it's like good signs basically.
1: Yeah. You did. You heard a lot of good things about the offense. Mm-hmm. Usually in these scrimmages, the defense prevails, but yeah. I mean, I mean,
0: but you know, they're not tackling and like, yeah,
1: we know the offense is ahead. Anyway, I mean, yeah. right. Uh, so, uh, and and we are uh, concerned about the linebacker play. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not sure till till you see it, till you actually see it. Everybody keeps talking about Corey Flag, but just you know how how good are
0: they? Yeah, yeah, they need one of those Avery Huffs or someone to to pop as, as another guy. Um, anything else interest They're going on break for a week, basically because of Easter right now. Um, yes. Yeah. Any Anything else interesting that has stood out to you from uh, this final week of practice before it's not quite the midpoint, I guess, you know, of spring, but we're, you know, it's kind of a good, uh, I'm sure they're going to kind of use this as like a kind of a midway assessment point for the next uh, before they yeah. have these last two thirds of practice or whatever it is.
1: Yeah, and remember, they'll have, um, you know, they, they will have another um, scrimmage. And Manny, we don't know when, but Manny said it's next week. So Manny Diaz says next week. So I'm sure it's going to be sometime at the end of next week after they come back. Um, They don't get back till Wednesday, I think. So uh, we, well, we met today. uh, Well, today. Yeah, we met on Wednesday, uh, Jalen Rivers for the first time. I know you've talked to him in recruiting uh, Oakley at Oakleaf High. Is that Chance Williams or
0: yeah, Cam- and Chance Williams came in Chance together. Williams
1: and yeah right and obviously uh,
0: Sha- Shaq Quarterman yeah went Shaq there.
1: Quarterman yeah. went there too anyway Jalen Rivers is uh, as you or Barry or Jackson already wrote about uh, is now he's always been a tackle in high school mm-hmm. um, and for the first time since park ball since youth ball he's playing guard. Um, so he's playing left guard and he's batting that with jukai clark who will probably start jukai clark but um great kid to talk to as you know very very smart um big but he's uh you know uh, defensive tackle jared harrison hunt said said that he was very hard to move Uh, and you know he hits he hits very hard he was talking about Jalen rivers and um and Jalen uh Jalen was fun to talk to. He's 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 up to three twenty-five pounds, but actually he's down to three twenty-five pounds. He said he came to UM at 340 pounds, but and he thought that would be enough, 325, and, and the coaches want him now to get to 315
0: mm-hmm.
1: to yeah. make it quicker and stuff. So uh he's he's a very upbeat, um smart kid. And, um, you know, I think, I, I think he's for sure he's going to be a starter one day. Right. Yeah, uh,
0: definitely. It sounds like of the, uh, like the next generation of offensive linemen that we have not necessarily seen yet. Like the, um, Isaiah Walker, Jalen rivers, um, mm-hmm. um, Michael McLaughlin, uh, a couple other guys in that group. Um, so, and some guys coming in and in, in the, midway, some big recruits. It seems like he's like the one guy who really has a chance to maybe crack the starting lineup this year, right? Like we kind of know, like we've said it a lot, they have seven guys coming back who started at least one game last year, plus Navon. Um, And, it you know, four, you know, it seems like, um, you know, you're going to have Navon at right guard, some combination of Navon, Scafe. Jared Williams on the right side of the line. Zion Nelson locked in at left tackle. Um, and God. Gaynor locked in at, at center. Um, right. The left guard spot is the one that it kind of feels like remains an open, a real open competition. Um, again, we haven't seen anything, but just based off what people are saying. And it seems like that's the yeah. spot where where Jalen Rivers has a chance to, uh, re- you know, push to to start potentially in the fall. Like that would not, I don't think that would cool. surprise anyone at this point.
1: No, I well, I I, I don't know if I were going to make a guess, I'd say probably they start Jakai. Yeah, I mean,
0: he's probably the favorite, but he's, he's a that's the player. one, Well, Rivers is the one guy who has a chance, I think, to like supplant um, I agree, one of the and, starters.
1: And he's you know, the offensive line, I know they like to keep the guys in there, um. You know, Miami has
0: not been shy about moving guys in and out the last couple of years.
1: No, they haven't. I, if there's somebody really good, they try to keep them in there, but let's yeah. face it. Uh, let's face it. Okay. Uh, now, Navon Donaldson. I mean, I know there are different places and stuff, but he's going to get tired. He is. Okay. He's going to get tired for sure. He's, he hasn't played in the game in a long time. Guys do get tired and, uh, I think it helps when they when they rotate them in and out. I do, and also um, Jalen Rivers has definitely tra- cross trained. I know a lot of them well, do
0: guard and tackle. Yep.
1: Yes, he's been and both sides. He's played both sides, right and left. So I I think that's smart because one guy gets hurt and boom, they can put him in a tackle. It's yeah, like, it sounds
0: like like at worst he's going to be like the sixth or seventh guy. So I think so. Yeah,
1: him. I think so. I like him.
0: Um and um, yeah. He's yeah. He's gonna have a role. Um. Yes. All right. Let's uh. You can follow Susan on Twitter at s Miller Degnan. Um. Again, Miami's off for the next couple of days, but uh. Yeah, she'll have you covered when they're back at practice. Uh. You can follow me on Twitter at DB Wilson too. Um. And now uh, let's uh, take a listen to. Susan's interview with WLRN about Howard Schnellenberger.
2: What was the first meeting that you ever had? And what were the circumstances when you met coach uh, Schnellenberger?
1: I, I can't even remember the very first time it had to be a lot of years ago um, because I've met him so many times since we've spoken on the phone so many times. I've been in his office when, you know, when he was the head of the FAU program and, and, He's just a treasure. I mean, he was just a treasure. Every time anyone had the, you know, honor to meet him, he that voice, you know, that baritone, bass, whatever voice, uh, beautiful, so deep, uh, you couldn't be, you you were held captive by it. Um, the mustache, you know, the thick mustache, um, the sincerity. He was very in tune with whomever he was you know, talking to and, and really down to earth and honest and frank and very funny. Um, He told you what he felt. He did have a a big ego, but he was uh, real, he was real honest and, uh, and, and a great, Psychologist, I guess you could say he gives a lot of great kids to go to the university of Miami. He was just a I, I love talking to
2: him. you know he came at a time when the team was actually being considered for being disbanded. It was such a terrible team, but what was it about him that he could foster so much support and confidence in the school and in players and everybody around him to, to build a winner?
1: his vision his his thoughts what you know he was convincing he made a list for the administration of, uh, you know, the pro football program's assets and liabilities, because UM, I guess, had been talking about dropping down to Division One AA. And um, I think he went to the administration. And this, I took this out of Barry Jackson's obituary, but it's, it's amazing. And he said that, again, what the school considered liabilities were actually strengths. Well, the first thing he said was uh, UM had the greatest stadium in the South in the Orange Bowl. And the administration, of course, thought that was the worst stadium. It was too big. It wasn't on campus. OK, but Howard said, "Nope, it's the best. And the second thing he said was that UM had you know, the best schedule a, a college team could have. They played Notre Dame, Florida, Florida State, Penn State everyone knows that that's a great thing if you're building a program. I mean, you, you might get beat a few times, but you also might pull off some upsets, which, of course, Schnellenberger did. And, of course, the administration thought, no, that's that's a bad thing. We need to play weaker teams, right? And then the third thing he said was that um, the, the state, you know, Howard created the state of Miami, quote-unquote, <laughs> uh, which was the, South Florida, which was the state of Miami was – Um, Dade, Broward and Palm Beach County and that's where he did his amazing recruiting he just did everything he he said he was going to do but that's how that's how he kind of worked his way in Um, and whatever Howard said he was convincing
2: he was I remember when he went to help build the football program at Florida Atlantic University and I talked to him you know over a span of years I talked to him a few times and he was convinced that he could turn them into a national champion. But why didn't he succeed as much there?
1: Howard Schnellenberger, first of all, he gets this great stadium built, which, I mean, UM played there, and, you know, and I covered a game there. And it's a beautiful stadium. And um, it's it's that he could do that, number one, was incredible. Um, and, you know, the Owls were in Division I A before he transition them into the FBS, which is you know the the major college football, which you know you University of Miami plays in. And um they they started FAU started playing in 2001. and within two years, Lewis, they made it to the national semifinals of the Division I double A before losing.
2: Yeah, and I don't want to make it sound like he didn't have success. He he built a team from scratch and and built the stadium and helped you know create a, a very a successful program obviously he had, but he had said to me we'll win a national championship in my lifetime and i i always thought all right coach well you know i'd love to see that day when you think about mm-hmm. the great athletes and great coaches from south florida how do how should we remember his legacy
1: extremely caring extremely respectful um loved his family so much which to me, is fantastic. You're a football coach. You never hear about the other stuff, um, and um, a winner in all respects.